Well, welcome to everyone tuning in. Thank you very much for joining us today. My name is Glenn Goland. I'm an investment advisor and wealth strategist here at Arnerich Messina. We are a Portland-based investment advisory firm bringing a unique and disciplined process to wealthy families, nonprofits, endowments, and some foundations. Our office is a 10-minute drive from the Washington border, depending on course on traffic. And many of our clients have considered moving to Washington at some time or another in order to avoid Oregon's income tax. Today, I am fortunate to be here with Eric Hormel. Eric is an accountant and shareholder with Perkins & Company, a Portland-based accounting firm that specializes in complex transactions and tax planning for high net worth families and the businesses that they own. Eric leads the Legacy Planning Group, and he also leads the Creative Services Group at Perkins. And he's spent over two decades working with businesses uh, here in the Pacific Northwest and with the families that own them. Uh, I've worked with Eric on a variety of client matters since we met over 11 years ago. And one of the most common questions that comes up in these conversations is whether the client's connections to Oregon will subject them to the Oregon income tax. So Eric, thank you very, very much for being here today. Absolutely, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Uh, when you and I have worked with clients on these issues in the past, uh, and many of them have considered moving out of Oregon into, into states that do not assess an income tax. Uh, some of these clients have gone to great lengths to establish out-of-state entities to steer clear of the Oregon tax, and some of them have talked about physically moving out with their families. Can you talk for a minute about the Oregon income tax and where Oregon ranks nationally when it comes to our rates and then give our listeners a sense of how recent changes to the tax structure, especially for Portland residents, have altered some of this math? Sure, absolutely. I always say that I kind of made a mistake. I never should have gotten my CPA license. I should have gotten a real estate license for how many clients I've sent out of Oregon and into our neighboring state in Washington. But uh, Glenn, if I lose track of things, let's, let's save a question about the state of Washington for later because there's some new, new information about Washington. Um, but historically, Oregon has always had a very high income tax rate, and that's a result of our state being kind of an anomaly that we don't have a sales tax. So to make up revenues, uh, you can either go to property taxes, you can go to income taxes. So uh, Oregon's current income tax stands at 9.9%, which has always been in probably the top five to top 10 highest income tax rates in the country. What's complicated things even further are some new taxes that actually passed uh, uh, by vote last year in 2020 that are going into effect in 2021. Um, mostly that impacts people that are residents of either Multnomah County or uh, a TriMet, which is Multnomah County, Washington County, and Clackamas County. So if you're a resident of those states and you get above certain income tiers, um, you're not only subject to a 9% personal income tax rate, but if you're in TriMet, you have an extra 1%. And if you're in Multnomah County, you have an extra 3% on top of the 1%, on top of the 9.9%. So uh, if you are a high earner in living in Multnomah County, you currently, I believe, have the highest income tax rate in the country, meaning higher than New York City, higher than San Francisco, higher than LA, your, I mean, it's actually, it's kind of nice for Portland to be number one at something again, I guess. That's pretty profound, right? It wasn't actually on the uh, on the, the literature that they sent out ahead of the vote. They didn't have that in bold headlines that we would be number one at that. So yep. 
for your insight of that. Can you talk to me about what the recent Washington changes you're referring to? Well, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is really pretty darn new. Um, the Washington legislature has um, uh, kind of matriculated its way through its, its legislature a, a new tax. And um, Washington's kind of unique because Washington has part of its constitution that it will not have an income tax. So that's great. Uh, Washington does have other taxes. They've got property tax and sales tax. One of the things they've always had is an excise tax. So if you um, sell a piece of real estate that's in the state of Washington, you pay a transfer tax or an excise tax on that. Well, what they are pushing through, and I think it's gotten pretty far uh, up to, I don't know if it's reached the governor yet, but they are saying, if you're over a certain income threshold, we're not going to impose an income tax on you, but we will impose an excise tax on any capital gains if you're a resident of our state. Interesting. So um, I believe they were bannering about between seven to 9%. So um, you could see they that would potentially impact those folks up there that work at Amazon or work at Starbucks or you know any of the high tech companies. So much of that income is generated through capital gains. So to, to be determined, but um, you know that's a, so the environment's changed. So I, I'm talking more to clients now uh, about potentially Nevada or Wyoming. So I have a lot of clients have moved to Jackson Hole or Henderson. Uh, two pieces to that. You know we're talking a little bit about the income tax environment. Uh, Oregon and Washington are one of the few states that actually have an estate tax too. So uh, other states like Nevada and Wyoming, no income and no estate tax. Got it. So when clients are considering uh, the different residencies and the, the domicile for tax purposes, can you talk through how Oregon determines whether or not an, an individual's income is going to be subject to their tax? Sure, sure. Um, you know, there's, uh, let, let's talk about what it means to be an Oregon resident. How about that, Glenn? So um, Oregon's got two tests. One's kind of a bright line test. You either are or you aren't based on facts. And the facts are this, is that you, if you have access to an abode in the state of Oregon and you're in Oregon for more than 200 days, there, there's a couple of exceptions to this, but if, if both the answers that are yes and yes, you're an Oregon resident. So, uh, so let's, let's parse that out a little bit. So what is an abode? So an abode is, uh, it could be you own a home in Oregon, uh, but it could also mean you rent a home or you rent an apartment in Oregon, or maybe your employer gives you access to a home or access to an apartment. That all qualifies as an abode. Um, and then the second part of that test is, um, are you in the state more than 200 days? And this is the one that tricks people a little bit. Uh, it doesn't say where you spend the night. It doesn't say a majority of the day. It's any moment of any day. So, um, you know, if you were coming into Oregon to work for 200 days and potentially you had a, a home here and a home in Washington, Oregon could potentially make the case that you are a Oregon resident, even though, you know, you consider yourself to be a Washington resident. Um, if you're able to pass that test, there's a second test. Uh, and that's the test of domicile. And that's kind of more of a fact and circumstances test. So if, if, if you are a person that's been a long-term Oregon resident, um, 
you have to prove that you've abandoned Oregon as your domicile. So what's domicile? Domicile is what you consider to be your home. And that's a really tough thing to, to prove or to delineate. But what the state will look to is um, where are your social connections? Where um, you know, do you, where are you registered to vote? Where are your cars registered? So um, if uh, you, you do want to prove to the state, and, and I think this is another important point, Glenn, uh, the onus is on the taxpayer. If you've been a long-term resident, the onus is on you to prove to Oregon that you've abandoned your domicile, okay? One of the easiest ways to do that is, hey, you've been living in Oregon for a long time, sell your Oregon home, buy a home in another state. If you don't have that physical connection to the state, it's gonna be hard for the Oregon to say that you're still a resident. Got it. I've, uh, I've worked on some cases where this was actually litigated and it was interesting seeing how far the Oregon Department of Revenue would go to establish those connections on those 200 days. It's pretty, pretty profound. Yeah, yeah, and on the domicile test, they will look to, they can go as far as requesting uh, utility receipts to say, oh, well, maybe you've got a home in Oregon and you've got a home in Washington. So they'll say, well, let's see where you're using more power. <laughs> they might, uh, I would say, Oregon is certainly pursuing this. There are other states that are very aggressive, like state of New York, state of California. They will look for all of your cell phone records, all of your ATM withdrawals. Um, where are you using your visa card to figure out where the heck you are to prove that if you're a resident of California or not? Oregon's not there yet, but with the amount of dollars, the amount of exodus of high net worth individuals and high income earners out of the state, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Oregon um, gets more aggressive on that. Wow, interesting stuff. Well, thank you very, very much uh, for sharing your insights, both on the tax as it relates to uh, its levels relative to our peers around us geographically and around the country, and then also on uh, the different facts and circumstances that Oregon looks at when trying to determine whether or not you're subject to that tax. Do you have any final thoughts or, or insight to share on, on this topic before we wrap up? Well, you know, the, the one, uh, I don't know if it's knowledge or if it's wisdom, Glenn, but one thing I always tell clients is, hey, if you're thinking about moving, don't forget that you might be married. So meaning, <laughs> don't think that if you're married, you can move, your spouse stays in Oregon um, and you're gonna prove that, oh, your income isn't taxable, Oregon's gonna look through that. And I'd also say that if you wanna move and your spouse says, I'm not leaving, it's always better to give the state of Oregon 10% of 14% of one year's income than your future ex-spouse 50% of everything you own. So <laughs> don't always have the income tax tail wag the dog, if you will. Awesome. Well, that is some profound information right there. Thank you very much, Eric. Uh, for our listeners, you can find Eric over at perkinsaccounting.com. You can always find uh, intel on Arnerich Messina over at our website, arnerichmessina.com. Uh, there you'll find details about our team and a blog where we post regularly uh, about articles from the financial planning and tax world. Thank you, Eric, very much for being here with us today. And thank you to our audience for joining us. Thank you for listening to Arnerich Messina's podcast. Please see the podcast description for important copyright and disclaimer information.